World's on fire. Our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It is time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass but we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a Coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. You know, we're kind of stuck in a time warp. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, uh, I'm going to figure out this earphone if it's the last thing I do. We're stuck in a time warp, friends. I was thinking about that today. As, I was doing a little bit of reading in the scripture this morning from uh, Acts 17. You can get that ready if you want to, Spencer, although I don't know what point the Holy Spirit's going to guide me. They just, just spoke it to me, actually. Acts 17. That's uh, where Paul's at Mars Hill. And it's, it's a fascinating thing. You know, yesterday we were, uh, was it yesterday? Anyway, we, we veered, I think it was yesterday, veered into the whole idea that uh, you can share the gospel without sharing the gospel. And I was struck by Acts 17. Get it up there real quickly. I'm not going to camp on this, but I think it's important. that Now, when they had passed through and Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as it was his manner, went in, the, in under them. <laughs> Paul was always picking a fight. And three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures. Three Sabbath days, would that be, is that three weeks? And he, he reasoned with them out of the scriptures. And I stopped right there. <clears throat> stopped right there and realized that Paul, Silas, the Jews who turned the world upside down, reasoned to them out of the scriptures. They they didn't have the New Testament. What scriptures were they reasoning with them out of? Well, it had had to be the Old Testament, didn't it? Paul walks in there with all these strong religious Jewish leaders and He's, he's writing the book of Acts. He's not sharing with them the book of Acts. And the point that I tried to make yesterday, got uh, licorice in my mouth this morning, was sometimes the Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. We went over that yesterday. We're, we're living in a time and an age where um, people hear the word uh gospel, Jesus, God, and they automatically tune it out. They've been programmed to do that. The idea of the the lie of the separation between the church and state has been programmed into people. And that when they begin to hear something, see, we don't don't even realize, I hear people say, stop trying to indoctrinate me. (coughs) Stop forcing your religion on, on me. And it's happened to us because we don't understand that religion, Spencer, this would be a good one. Go to Mr. Webster. Go to religion. I haven't forgotten you, Myra, I promise. 
to religion. And what is religion? It's a noun. To bind anew. This word seems really to have signified an oath or vow to the gods. Or the obligation of such an oath or vow, which is held very sacred by the Romans. Religion in its most comprehensive series includes a belief in the being and perfections of God, in the revelation of his will to men, and men's obligation to obey his commandments, in a state of reward and punishment and man's accountability to God, and also true godliness of piety of life with the practice of moral duties. Religion, number two, as distinct from theology, <clears throat> is godliness or piety in practice, consisting in the performance of all known duties to God and our fellow man. Religion, as distinct from virtue and morality, consists in the performance of duties we owe directly to God. And four, any system of faith and worship. In this sense, religion comprehends the belief and worship of pagans and Mohammedans as well as Christians. Any religion consisting in the belief of a superior power, the powers governing the world, and the worship of such power or powers. Thus we speak of religion, of the Turks, of the Hindus, of the Indians. So, Freedom from religion, folks, you're constantly being bombarded with religious beliefs. Not, not Christianity. Christianity is not permitted to be in the, in the public square. But religious beliefs, humanism, secularism, we've been, we've, been, we've been all through this. But we've all bought into the lie that, that uh, Christianity is the one that's illegal. And so as soon as you start, if I was the devil... First thing I would do is I'd convince you of two things, that the devil doesn't exist and that God doesn't exist. We're just all on a neutral playing field. Because if the devil can neutralize the belief and the power and the fear of Almighty God, he's basically, he's basically won the battle. And then that opens the door for people like Oprah to come and talk about uh, uh, your truth and my truth and his truth and what's true for you may not be true for me and moral relativism and it's you know, it's okay to kill unless unless it's for the life of the mother. And to always put uh, <coughs> extenuating circumstances on truth. That, that's, how, that's how the devil works. He puts conditions and extenuating circumstances on the truth, right? No one would be for an abortion, ever would be for abortion. Unless, of course, it's rape or incest. That's where they start, right? They start with the exceptions. And so I was, I was struck by Paul when he went to... Uh, Mars Hill, he, wasn't, he didn't have the New Testament. He was explaining it to them. And that those of us in today's uh, time and place, we tend to throw the Bible out there as the final word on all things to people who don't believe the Bible. I'm going to show you some instances of that today. Uh, we are so winning. We're so, we're so, we're so winning. We're so late to the game, but we're so winning. I didn't follow CERN. What all happened at CERN yesterday? I don't. Uh, I, I really, I'm really not cared. I'm not. I'm not scared about CERN because we spoke about yesterday. Light and darkness pushing back against the darkness. Darkness is going to continue to try to invite area where light is supposed to be. And as long as we're the light of the world, that's what Jesus said. He's the light of the world. He said we're the light of the world. No city set on a hill can be hid. And we're in the process of exposing and um, pushing back against the forces of darkness. Myra, go ahead and pray us in. And we'll take us somewhere. Yes, Coach, I will be honored to do so. It is written, 
First Peter 2, 9 through 13. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, and ye shall show forth the praise of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, mm. which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as the strangers and pilgrims abstain from freshly lost, which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be by your God, or your good works, which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whatever is to the king as supreme. Jesus, you're welcome to coach Dave Haddle, and we open our hearts to you. I release the anointing that breaks the power of evil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, Myra. Thank you. Amen. Two spots left. We have two spots, I think, left for Michelle's uh, spiritual warfare training that's coming up this weekend. Other than that, it's sold out. If you're interested, by the way, scholarship. These are paid spots. So if you're interested, get a hold of us. It's Crushing Serpents Ladies Retreat, July 8th and 9th at Sky High. We have two paid slots available. If you're interested, email me and we'll, uh, we'll get you plugged in there. By the way, uh, got a lot got a lot going on. The videos of last week's event at Sky High, two weeks ago already, I don't know, are now available. It's on, it's all, they're all available. And I want to. Uh, they're all right. They're all right there. Thank uh, thanks to Bobby who, Sheila Holmes there, Pam Popper. I told you it was amazing. John Bislin, the Giant did a great job. Mitch Marcheski, uh, very good job by Mitch Marcheski. By the way, his daughter last night, I don't know if you guys watched America, what's the name of that? America's Got Talent, whatever it is. Uh, last night, his daughter, Jane, who passed away uh, about six or seven months ago, 31 years old. His daughter got the number one all-time buzzer for America. Is it America's Got Talent? Is that what it is? And you guys can maybe. I was going. To, I tried to find that this morning. Couldn't couldn't find it. But she, but uh, she was the number one. The number one all time America's Got Talent moment was when Jane got the got the silver golden buzzer, whatever that thing is. So uh, we thank Mitch for all for all he's doing. Loss of his daughter. How horrible that would be. He's he's uh, praise the Lord. That stuff's all available there. Okay, cool. Go there. Check all that stuff out. Check it all out. Anybody have an update for me on CERN? And I'll be honest, I checked <coughs> a lot around this morning. Didn't find out much about it. Did they, did they poke a hole? Did CERN poke a hole? Somebody help me out here. Well, I, like Mark said, they, they they get the they do it and they get data. And so there, uh-huh. there, there was a particles that they, I think, uh, posted three particles they hadn't seen before. Wow. So now what they're doing is is they're they're crunching numbers and they're trying to reconstruct. So uh, who cares, huh? Dark side. They're trying to open the dark side, folks. That's obviously what's going on. Thanks for all of you for, for praying for all that. And uh, amen. Come on in, Betty, real quickly. Yes, I found that video if you need it. If you if you open the chat, I could throw it in there. for. Um, her name was Nightbird or something Nightbird. like that. Yeah. 
But yeah, what I wanted to show, Betty, what I wanted to show was last night, just about a three minute version of it last night. It, it, it doesn't matter. Thanks. Thanks, Betty. I'm going, I'm going to move on. Uh, Lake Mead. <coughs> Lake Mead. Throw that up here, Spencer. Uh, this is, uh, play this at about uh, uh, 1.75 speed. I just want you guys to get a view, view, view for what's really going on at Lake Mead because we talked about it yesterday. And uh, it's pretty, this is some pretty serious stuff. Go ahead, Spence, real quick. What's up, everybody? It's Joey. You're watching Vegas D-Tech. Decided to come out here and do a little bit of a on-the-ground recording from the marina. Show you exactly what's going on out here. We've been watching a lot of the other channels put in their reports. It's time that we get out here and take a look for ourselves and see what's going on. We're going to go ahead and take a walk down to the actual waterline and see what kind of damage we've had since the last reportings came in about a week ago. There's nothing, there's always going to be just construction and construction, dredging operations to keep moving these docks further and further out. And I can clearly see these houseboats way out here. They're just getting crammed in, man. They know that another move is going to have to happen soon. I've never seen so many houseboats crashed in out there. And that guy who was uh, Craig, the guy who was marooned out here on this uh, cove, I know his boat should be sitting right out here. Might get lucky and see him, who knows? All of this uh, digging, digging, and digging and bulldozers operating back here, all we're trying to really do is repurpose all this dirt and push it all forward, trying to just push the land out further, trying to get this. This is the last launch. Without this launch, there, there is no, nowhere else that these boats can actually release their boat through the water. They're doing everything they can to push this thing out further and give these people a little bit more time because we can't allow this marina to die. So in other words, we're extending the marina. They're, the water's getting farther and farther away from the land. We are, we are still way, way, way far from this boat launch now. This boat launch started way back there. See these here? These are restrooms. And they, they you know, these things are movable, but they've allowed this thing to move so far and they've had to just keep on building, expanding, building, expanding, and they're down to the to the dirt over here. If you walk over here, you can literally see the, the rings. This is where all the water was. Up in, up in this area right here. When you see these like little gradients right here, this is where water receded. Look at you could you could just see the topography, you could just see the steps. Water, erosion, water, erosion, erosion, erosion. Look at that. Now look at this, guys. Seashells in the desert. This is legitimately telling you that all of this stuff was underwater when you could see seashells. Okay, you can, you can cut that now. So I, wanted, I wanted y'all to get a different perspective. Put it in the chat for those of you who want to watch it. There's something seriously ser- ser- serious, man. <laughs> water, water everywhere, never a drop to drink. Isn't that what they say? So, uh, Another thing that we have to keep our eye on, uh, I saw today the truckers, uh, not about uh, one, one million truckers aren't going to be able to truck anymore. Fuel, folks, we need to get ourselves prepared for some crazy, crazy times. Okay, another thing, abortion apologetics. Pull this up there. It's funny how yesterday we were talking about uh, being able to share the gospel without sharing the gospel. And Mark Harrington had created equal. This, folks, this is absolutely, I want you to watch this three minutes and 25 seconds of this debate between uh, one of the guys that created equal and this young man. And notice he never mentions Jesus, the gospel, never re- reads from the Bible, never reads anything. And watch how he wins this. Arc. Remember the natural man receives not the things of the spirit. Neither can he, he can't receive the truth of God's word. 
This guy can't. All right? So watch the dismantling of this guy's mind by using stuff other than the gospel. Go ahead. Do you know what the uh, embryologists are saying? No, I don't. Yeah. But, I mean, again, it's a heavily debated topic for a reason, so there's got to be two opinions. Well, the embryologists are all of one opinion. You can pick up any embryology textbook in the world. It'll tell you that human life begins at fertilization, that there, you have a distinct living and whole human individual at fertilization. It's a matter of fixing the broken adoption system and the broken foster care system. Well, that's part of it. But you don't ignore an injustice just because you don't have the, all the solutions to it. So if abortion really is killing innocent human beings, then it's an injustice that's got to be dealt with, even if we don't have all the answers right now, right? I mean, that's what we've done with injustices in the past. Yeah. It, you know, you look at slavery, you know, we didn't have everything figured out and we didn't handle everything right afterwards, right? No, we didn't. But it would have been wrong to say, let's keep slavery legal until we can figure everything out. It was still right for them to illegalize slavery, even though they didn't have everything figured out yet, right? Yeah, but this isn't slavery, this is abortion. They're two completely different issues. They are different issues, but they're both injustices because they both discriminate against innocent human beings. What in your mind differentiates a human, an unborn human, from a born human that gives a born human more value? Or a late trimester human? What's the difference? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Not on the spot. Well, there are four differences. Their size, (laughs) their level of development, their environment, their location, and their amount of dependency on someone else. Those are the only But none of those are good reasons for justifying killing you then, but not now. We don't get our value from our size. We don't get our value from how developed we are. We shouldn't get our value from the place we're in. And we shouldn't get our value, you know, from being less dependent on someone else. Because those are all things we all vary in. Do you see? There can't be human equality if we pick a value-giving attribute that we all have unequally. Does that make sense? I guess. So will you follow the conclusion to where it leads? If that's human, will you protect him as if he is one? Again, that's not my decision. That's the woman's decision. Well, we can't make choices for people, right? No. But there are some choices that are right and wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And so if if the unborn's a human being and has value as a human being, then the choice to kill him would be as wrong as the choice to kill him as a toddler, right? That is if we're going to believe in true human equality and if he's a human, just like we're humans. Hey, if you like the work we're doing on... Okay, that's masterful, isn't it, friends? Masterful, because what, what, what did he do? What was his purpose? First and foremost, to destroy the argument upon which the young man was standing. Boom. Now, at the end of the day, always remember this about evangelism. Folks, you don't have to close the deal. You don't, you, uh, your job is not always to have the scoreboard go, ding, you win, one soul saved. The Bible tells us that one man plants, another man waters, but God gives the increase. 
So if you would take your pressure off of yourself when you're evangelizing and understand that you're not doing any more than sowing seeds, you just sow seeds. You don't try to make them grow. You sow them. Amen. And then the Bible says, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> one man plants, another man waters. But God gives the increase. So what we all have to do is we have to develop a secular point of view when arguing with the secularists. We have to win their argument. Put that thing in the chat because I want, want you to watch it more and more. You can see the profundity of the truth hitting that young guy, but he doesn't know what to do with it. And so he's trying to he's trying to change the subject. It happens all the time when we go debate abortion. Well, what about the mom? What about rape? What about incest? Uh, what if she can't afford it? Just all these out of nowhere questions or positions that people take with no moral basis for any of them. None, none. So it's important for us when we share the gospel that we we first and foremost attack what they believe. And, hey, you can do it in a harsh way. You can do it in a nice way. But we know, though, as you read through the gospel, all through the gospel, you're going to find out that Jesus is telling us, Paul is telling us, the, the writers are telling us that we are in a war, that we are to contend for the faith that we are to um, rescue those who are unjustly led to slaughter. It, it, it's a very active faith that we, that we, that we live. But I'm, God bless street preachers. God bless them. Because when street preachers preach, the truth of the gospel does come out. And some ears may hear. They may. But the whole idea of it is to, again, destroy the worldview that the person you're dealing with. It's called, it's what? transferring them. It's called rescuing them. It's called pulling them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, rescuing the perishing. And yet can't do that. You can't rescue until they need to know they need to be rescued. So I think it's important that, again, we're going to put that in the chat. Just go ahead and study that, that argument that, that he just made. I watched another one yesterday from Candace Owens. Candace Owens, you guys didn't know who she is. She, golly, she did a powerful, powerful answering to six different questions about abortion and never mentions the gospel, never mentions it. Doesn't have to, because what? She's destroying the arguments, tearing down, casting down imaginations and every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity. It's a truth. Truth, lead them to truth, and you got a chance. Tell them about Jesus, eh, you might have a chance. But you lead them to truth, you have an opportunity. <laughs> hey, hey, Stephanie. Hey, hey Coach, yeah, that, that young man, uh, Titus, in that video, he actually came to your event with Mark Harrington last year, the annual huddle. He was there. Did he really? Awesome. Well, Titus did a wonderful job. A wonderful job of folks attacking and fighting the secular mind. The secular mind. What, what did Paul say? Go to Jude real quickly. I'm all over the place. Stay with me. Jude, earnestly contend for the faith. Contend. Earnestly contend. Not just contend, 
Brothers, I, I gave all devils writing you the common salvation was needful for me to write to you, exhort you that you should earnestly contend. Not just halfway, not just kind of, not just sort of. Earnestly put everything you have in it to do what? Contend for the faith. And exhort you that you earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. For certain men crept in in universities and, and high schools and elementary schools who were before of old ordained to this combat, ungodly men. They're ungodly men. They're turning the grace of God into the city and dying. The only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them. Um, this is just critical. It's just To me, it's just critical. that We learn the arguments. Learn the arguments on how to fight. The, there's not transgenderism. I don't care what it is, friends. I don't care what the argument is. They're all based on lies. And the only way we counter lies is with the truth. And when you share the truth, you are sharing the gospel. Say, like, whoa, coach, whoa. Well, you miss it, see? The gospel is more than just getting people saved. It's more than just salvation, heaven and hell, life and death. It's more than that. The gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. It's ever-reaching, all-reaching, everywhere. The gospel of the kingdom. Salvation is simply an entrance into that kingdom. But there's no area of no area of our life that the gospel does not apply to and is not the overarching truth of gospel. Gospel. Sharing the gospel is always sharing the truth. I'm kind of going in circles. But I've had this debate so many times with people who do who just don't they don't get it. They don't get it. You're going to get worn out if you're trying to win a religious debate with a secularist. You're going to get worn out. Why? Because from the time they were in kindergarten, they have been trained in the secular mindset, in the secular point of view. It's been ingrained in them from the day they went into kindergarten. They have been trained to think like a secularist. And you're the fool. And everybody tells them that you're the fool. That there's a separation between the church and the state. La, 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 la. Once you win the secular argument, you begin to win the debate. Do I want to show that yet? No, I don't want to show that. Come on in, Jack. Just something you can probably turn into a three-hour sermon. Before we had million candle power lights, how did we project light? We had a very fancy um, Fresnel lens that took that oil lamp and projected it out miles to sea, could be seen from miles away. And that's what you're talking about is fixing your, your delivery system rather than just turning up the light. Amen. Or turn up the volume, right? Turn up the volume. We seem to want to yell louder. Get a megaphone, I'll be louder at telling them the truth. It doesn't work that way. You have to destroy their argument. Good point, Jack. Mel. No. Yeah, I had the opportunity. I had the opportunity to go to um, Mark Carrington's training sessions, and um, it's great. He does the training classes, he does events to practice. I mean, talk about a good example of of no stick man syndrome. Do you know what I mean? What Titus did in that interview, that's exactly textbook to what Mark Harrington teaches. So, you know, to kind of get from what you're saying, Coach, 
you know, some of these common issues, I mean, we, we really do need to kind of think it through because to just say, okay, think of a secular arg argument and how to do that, like that's a little bit of a big jump for a lot of people. So I think that Mark Harrington does a really good job um, of, you know, sharing the gospel and sharing the well, truth by using the secular argument, logic. Well, so, so folks, how do, you make, how do you make the secular argument for marriage between a man and a woman? Without bringing the Bible in, how do you do that? We have to learn to do that. That a man and a man is not marriage. You can do it without the Bible, friends. We have to learn to do it without the Bible. I think that video that Vinny shared with that the African churches. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think that was a good example too. I mean, they they weren't using scripture necessarily. They were just talking about how ridiculous that is i mean when you really, Cooper, when you really right? dig, like, what, what really is happening behind the closed door there like we're not supposed to talk about that but it, it is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous and disgusting what is child trafficking all about what what are what are um uh drag queen story hours really all about friends ask your friends that what are drag queen story hour events What's the end game? For those who are putting on Drag Queen Story, what's the end game? We all know what the end game is, right? The end game is to poison the minds of the children. That's the end game. To, to What do they call that? To uh, groom, right? Well, don't go in there and... Don't go in there and argue with them that Jesus said this and the Bible says this. And I mean, it's okay to have that as your foundation. They don't care. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Some of the people that you're going to run into to drag queen story hours go to church. They go to church. And they're at, they're at that drag queen story hour with their children because the church has taught them that they're to love everybody. So uh, got to win, got to win the secular argument. Where does this lead? Where they're trying to convince your child, introduce your child into transgenderism. Are you okay with that? Do you want your child to become transgender? Why don't you want your child to become transgender? Right? We have to begin to focus more on that. Jeff Klein and Craig. Coach, this is amazing. You're bringing this up today. Yesterday, after all these months of going in them school board meetings, I got to use the secular argument yesterday. And here's what's happened. 10.30 yesterday morning, I'm in my car lot. I look up. A car pulls up to my front office, gets out, walks in the door. Guess who it was? Bill Cedar, the superintendent of Mount Vernon Schools. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm telling you. I said, come on in. Because I threw this out to him last meeting. I said, we need to meet. We need to get together and figure out these problems in the school. And I use this, and I use scripture every month for 10 months. I open it up with it. I, he didn't say much. He was there an hour and 15 minutes. He said a couple of things, but one of the things he did say was, well, Jeff, you come in and we just feel like you're attacking. And I was like, oh my, and every one of them say they believe in God. And every one of them go to church. Every one mm -hmm. of them over and board. So I shared with him all the different things of transgenderism the minds of these kids and we were rescued rescue. Why are we not? And ask him, do you want your grandkids watching drag Queens dance? He looked at me, he says, did that Delaware school really let them use their property? And lying on my desk was all the pictures of the park. I start flipping through them. I said, right here they are. 
He said, oh, I hope I never get to that point where they ask to use our school grounds. I said, well, they will. It's coming. But we went through all this stuff. It was amazing that he sit and listen. And I told him, I said, Bill, we've got to do something different here. I said, I'm not going to come in and attack with the scripture anymore. I'm coming in with the secular argument. That's right. Show them the pictures, man. Show them the pictures, right? Yep, yep, yep. Bring testimonies of ruined lives, right? Tell stories. Tell stories of ruined lives. Tell You know, it can be hypothetical. You don't have to lie. It can be a story you read online. You can tell a story about some young man who was introduced to, to transgenderism and then got involved with it and uh, went deeper and deeper and then went ahead and had the surgery and how much he regret. Folks, those are the kind of, those are, those are the stories we have to tell. Good work, Jeff. Craig. Yeah, Coach, I think you're right. You know, on the avenue that I go down, you know, it's mostly young adults. And if I jump in on Jesus right away, you know, they, they put up a, a blockage. But you get one on your tailgate, man, they ain't got no shoes. You got a pair of shoes in your truck or how many I've took out for breakfast. It always comes back to why do you do this? And then you get to sit and talk to them. It's almost like, I, you know, I'm not in the school board meetings or nothing like that, just on the street, you know. But you got to get to them. They're all broken. They're hungry. You got to fill, fill a need first, and then you can move on through that relationship. But uh, if you come out with Jesus right away, you're right. A lot of them will just ship you, and uh, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, there's that old adage, they don't uh, care what you know till they know what you, that you care. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of truth in that. Amen. Amen. Reggie. Yeah, coach. Uh, you said, don't, you know, how do you, you're asking the question, how do you win this argument or how do you help? How do you argue this without using the Bible? Well, they always about medical science or science. Why don't right. you use that? Cause I, I have a right. friend, Joseph, he talks about that. I mean, that's what he does. He goes into the gay bars and talks to these people. He goes to the parades. They, the medical chronic conditions of the sphincter dysfunction and them wearing diapers. They don't talk about the, the awful parts or the, or what about the end of population? Take it to its logical conclusion. There will be an end to humanity if everybody was gay. <laughs> because they I can't mean, there, would be no, there would be no more people. You can talk about nature and something being against nature. What does that mean that's against nature? It's not even natural. Why are we so hard? Why? Because, folks, we're living in a culture and a society where we, for whatever reason, we are targeting how do I say this in the right way? All legislation is targeted at a very small group. The gays, the the whatever, pick whatever group you want to, the transgenders. And, and the, the good of the majority is really no longer taken into account at all. We, we, we service the minority. We service the deviants. We do everything we can to lower our standards so that those who have low standards feel like they're okay. That's exactly what's going on in culture and in society. And the church has fallen into that same trap, and that's what the church does. Church lowers the standard so that when sinners come in, they don't feel so bad. Boom. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Mr. Craig, come on in. And Clay. Well, you know, Coach, uh, the brain's a sponge, right? And we have all these neurological studies. We've mapped the brain. You know, there's an old saying that uh, we used to have, uh, well, girls mature more than boys. Well, now we know that boys don't really mature until about 26. 
So we really have all these basis of how our brains are able to function, yet we're asking children to make a lifelong decision that has uh, health consequences that they can't reverse at mm -hmm. the ages under 10. So if we apply that same logic, then why don't we make them to decide whether homework is good or not? If they can decide their gender, then why can't they decide whether they want to do homework or not? And then yeah. why should there be a consequence for it? And that's why we put these standards in. That's why the school system says, well, you know, you have to have your homework in. It's a rule. So, but yet they're taking all the rules away and they're adding little sponges to make decisions that aren't capable. And we have the neurological science that says they are incapable of making these decisions. That's why you don't get a driver's license at six. Amen. So, so folks, if we, if we focus the whole homosexual debate on the young children, on the grooming and this, the destruction of the mind of young children, we're going to get a lot farther in trying right. to. Right. So, yeah, tell them they can have drag queens after in college. Do drag, yeah, they drag queens after right. college and college. They're able to make a decision. Yes. Well, we're, not going, we're not going to teach this to our kids. Folks, I really believe that most people are going to be in agreement with you. But see, the culture is just the opposite. The culture is trying to convince you that we have to cater to this deviancy. That's what the culture teaches. We have to cater to this deviancy. They have to have rights and they have to be treated with love and yada, 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 yada. And so therefore, those of us who speak up for the children, we're called bigots and hateful and homophobes, and horm uh, war, whatever, whatever, all kinds of names they call us, right? Because why? They've lowered the standards so low that you're not allowed to criticize anything. So make it about the children. Make this debate about the children. Jeff Klein, remember two years ago, four years, 10 years ago, whenever it was, you went in and read the dirty books in, in the library? And they hated hearing what was the books. Jeff went and got a book out of the public library, went in there and read it to the school board. And it was about a penis and erections or what. what I can't even remember what it was about. And they wanted to crawl under the table. So they were okay with the book being in the library, being read by a child, but they didn't want it publicly read. Is that right, Jeff? Ten years ago, the book was How to Have Anal Sex. 250 people in there, some pastors in there. They're firing John Freshwater, and I read out of it. I remember the paragraph. If you're going to have anal sex, start with a finger or two before you proceed to a sex toy. Oh, they lost it. I said, now, wait a minute. It's on the book. The show's right over yep. here. Yep. Sixth graders to yep. read. Why do you cringe when I read that? Then the pastor, I go outside. Old Pastor Dan walks up to me. He says, Jeff, come here. I walk over. He says, that's, that's not the way to handle that. I said, well, you show me your, you, you lead. Show me how to do this and I'll follow Amen. you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Clay, come in. Then Randy. <clears throat> Coach, somebody yesterday in our group was talking about how Christ spoke in parables. He used plain talk to speak to people and get his messages across. If we go out and we uh, wear these cross hats and the salt light brigade shirts and we speak to people in plain talk and we speak truth, they'll see Christ inside us. And once we make that connection, I can't tell you how many people have, once you make that connection and, yep. and have conversation with them, they ask you about the hat or the yep. shirt. Even yep. if you didn't mention, even if you didn't mention Christ or Christianity, and it leads to a deeper conversation, maybe the second or third time you come in contact with them, it's like Chad says. It's like the it's the all in the delivery, folks. I'd never compromise on the gospel. I never compromise. I, I'm going to tell you this. Are you are you looking at me? 
I never have a, I never have a gospel conversation. Listen to me. I never have a gospel conversation where the goal is salvation of the person I'm talking to. Never. My goal is always to counter the lie they believe in. Every argument, every debate, I, I never, ever, 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 ever think about how am I going to get this guy saved? Never. Because you know what? How'd I get saved? Did somebody formulate a plan on how they were going to get me saved, or did somebody just kind of tell me the truth <laughs> and let it lie? And I go think, whoa, <laughs> that's something I got to ponder here, right? We're seed planters. We're waterers. Quit trying to get everybody saved. Speak the truth. Represent the Lord. Stand up for what's right. You know what will draw people more than anything? Courage. Courage. You know, Reggie sent something to me the other day. Reggie emailed me, texted me something the other day. And look, this is sound a bit self-serving. Hang on, Randy, Mark. I'll get you. I promise. I don't want this to sound self-serving. Tom, Tom Dunn did an opening the other day on his show, Through the Black. The first segment, he talked about me. Showed, showed that segment of the news, of, you know, about the prayer and all that. And then Tom Dunn said something, and I said to myself, Wow. Tom said that he didn't know a more courageous guy than me. He said, this guy, this guy not only lives out his faith, he aggressively lives out his faith. He goes to Hillary's house. He goes to Biden's house. He goes to Bill Barr's house. I've never seen anybody do anything like that. That guy has got such stones. And I thought, yeah, I guess he's right. I guess, yeah, I guess he's right. Who else do you know that goes to Hillary's? But see, it's my nature. First of all, confrontation's in me. It's my nature. But the truth of the matter is, it does take some courage, doesn't it, folks? You know why some of you aren't getting anywhere with some of your friends, that you, your loved ones and all that? You know why you aren't getting anywhere? Because you don't have the courage to speak the truth and stand. You don't, you don't have the courage to do it. And if you, uh, if you won't stand against those you love, if you won't speak the truth to those you love, you sure as, you ain't going to do it at a school board meeting either. Just down you. Just down you. And it's easy to have courage if you understand through experience that when you show up, the Lord's with you. And there's anything they can do to you. Nothing they can do. Oh, they can, they can arrest you. They can find you. They can flog you. They can hate you. But there isn't anything they can do to you. And every time... You stand up publicly and do that hard thing and say that hard thing for the Lord. There's applause in heaven. I believe it. I believe it. I believe, I believe one angel yells the other, hey, look over here. Look, look what he's doing now. Look, look at this. That's what, that's, what I, that's what I think. Stop being afraid. Randy. That's good stuff, Coach, I'm telling you. Um, Look, in, in the book of Job, Coach, uh, God, when he got to speak, you know, it was about it. it was This is the big, the best debate ever probably recorded in history, if you really want to get down to it, the book of Job. But when, when God finally lessened, let them all run and he let them all, you know, give their their viewpoint, then he comes in and he goes, hey, hey, can, uh, can any one of you uh, hang the stars in the sky? And he, did, he went through that. 
Jesus did the same thing, Coach. This is the very method. What you're trying to show us is the very method God used, that Jesus used, that all the prophets used, that all the apostles used. They are using the stupidity of, of the culture to show them you're in total opposition to God. So this is you're teaching us, Coach. This is, this is good stuff. It is. It is. Folks, the, the gospel, as I said, the gospel is so much more than getting people saved. So much more than that. They've taught, they've taught us wrong, man. It's contending for, to earnestly, it's right upon down the screen, right? Earnestly contend for the faith. What does that look like? Does it say earnestly contend to get people saved? Is that what it says? Earnestly fight to get people into the kingdom? No, that's not what it says. Contend for the faith. Stand up and fight for the faith. Put on the whole armor of God. So might stand, fight, push back against the forces of darkness. Why? Because evil men crept in unaware. They changed the whole stinking thing. <laughs> changed the whole thing. Put put homos in the pulpits. Put homos as worship leaders. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you the truth, right? And what do the people in the pew do? They don't do anything because they don't offend anybody. They may not get saved, whatever. Oh, my goodness, help us. Mark Trump, come on in, then Roger. And Coach, I was just thinking what you were saying about the government, about how they operate in order to get us in the state we're in. They filter it into the schools, the churches, all the government agencies. Well, think about this. Think about the times before Noah. Noah had it in his brain that he could go fix this. <laughs> and he went out to try to fix it for 200 years. And then you have Sodom, Gomorrah, and the other cities. Lot thought he could go find 35, 25, 15 people. Coach, he couldn't. So mm. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about where we are and how those, how those situations, how did they get corrected? How did they get righted by God himself? The land is Shinar in Psalm, Psalms 106. He gave them implicit instructions not to do these things. Don't mingle. Don't worship their gods. Kill them all. And they did. They were disobedient. Yep. So, yep. well, and, and I'm going back one show whenever you said morality, right from wrong, right? Yep. And uh, that's what it's all about is when the scales tip, you know, it, it's hard to get it back on track. And that's where we are, Coach. Mark, if Jesus Christ himself were standing right beside you, would you act differently? Good question. Good question, Coach. Because yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. Huh? If if you went and told Jesus that uh, they were trying to uh, pull children into homosexuality and transgenderism, if you went and told him, what do you think he would do? What do you think? What do you think he'd tell you to do? Go love them. Go love them. Go share the gospel with them. Go give them a track. Go pray for them. Is that what he tell you to do? I'd say he probably said, "Go get him a millstone, dude." Get a millstone. Get those kids as far away from a ch- get those people as far away from children as you possibly can. And I want you to know I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be standing right beside you when you do it. We got to root that stuff out. We got to pluck it down. We got to pull it down. We got to rebuild. That's what Jesus would say, friends. That's what he would say. And by the way, yes, he is right there with you. He is right there with you, watching you look the other way against all this evil that's surrounding all of us. Amen. Roger, come on in. Oh, I was was just going to add to the conversation two things. One is, 
we have to be sensitive to who we are speaking to, Dave. There, yep. There's times that somebody else may have planted seeds that the message now is the gospel. The message is Christ. So we have to be sensitive, I believe, to where a person may be as it relates to their walk and then what the Holy Spirit has been doing with them. That's what we never want to forget. It is not you and I. It is not you and I that lead to Christ. It is the Holy Spirit pulling them, nurturing them, guiding them to Christ. So those are just the two comments I would add. Yep, I'm always sensitive to the Holy Spirit, always. I, I, we had a, um, I don't know who's listening, so I'm going to try to give you the best I can. Kind of a family reunion the other night um, on, four, on the 4th of July. It wasn't on the 4th. It was on like the 1st or 2nd. That, that year-long holiday we just had. And uh, family, family gathering and get-together. And I've known this about myself for a long time. I've just kind of come to the realization of it. Uh, I make people nervous. I make them nervous. And if you would ever follow me around when I go to a family reunion, I never, ever mention morality, Jesus, their lifestyle. I never, I never, I never do any, ever, ever, ever. But when I go, they're defensive. They're on the defense when I show up for fear that I'm going to say something. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so I thought, you know, I thought, you know what, I'm just not going to go to this family gathering, even, even though I'd like to and I love those people and I'd really like to see them come to the truth. I'm, I'm just not going to go and make their day miserable. And my presence makes them miserable because they're probably afraid at any moment I'm going to point out something that they're doing that's wrong. See, they know it's wrong. <laughs> they just don't want anybody to point it out. And like I said, I never do, never have, never have. Yet my brother calls me a preacher man. I mean, right? Come on, man. Come on. So at some point, some point you get an opportunity to win the secular message, and that's the message that I, I try to win. They bring it up, I'll finish it, but I'm not, I'm not bringing it up. Dr. Paul and Myra. Yeah, I just want you to, uh, you remember in vitro fertilization, I think it was 1978. Yep. First baby born, and they fertilized it in a Petri dish. Right. You know, they've gone beyond that. It used to be a 14-day you could keep them in a Petri dish, and now they've eliminated all those ethics like they have in medicine. So when you talk about this compromise with, uh, like, babies and abortion and all this other stuff, that's that's where we're at. I mean, we're – you know, my sister got arrested yesterday. She's been in jail for four days for, for lying on a gun permit kind of thing. Uh, she lives in Georgia. She's the most benign, easygoing person in the world. Why? And it was not based on a felony. She, she had some psychiatric issues after my brother was murdered. They, you know, and their FBI shows up at her house and drag her to Virginia, okay, from Georgia, and she's been, been in jail for four years. Why would they be going after a, a kid? She's 50 years old, but she looks like she's 30. Great kid. She's just a loving kid. They arrested her. Okay. Yep. They're coming after our guns. I mean, they got to be. Why would they have the FBI <laughs> going to her house? Oh, man. Because oh, the, the government's so wicked, man. It's so wicked. My, Myra. Yes, Coach. 
uh, your Holy Spirit led and you have given this Bible verse before that is so appropriate and talks about secularism. 2 Timothy 2.23 and 2.24. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gentle strives. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patience. Hallelujah. Foolish and unlearned questions. In other words, questions from those who don't get it. Avoid it. Avoid it, right? Don't let them. Don't let them gang up. Don't let them gang up on you, Jeff. Coach, I thought of a couple other things I talked about with Bill yesterday, and just out front, some of the people that listen and go back and report to these people's stuff and twist it. Bill and I had a great conversation. There was a lot accomplished, so don't go and run to Bill and say I'm bad mouthing. But we talked about these young boys, and I said, you know what we're doing with this ice cream truck? When I get out here in the streets. I said, I'll look at a 10-year-old boy and say, hey, are you a boy? And that little boy looks at me with that weird look like he's mad. And he's like, yes. I said, don't ever let anybody tell you you might be a girl. And Bill looked at me and he said, well, you and I both agree on these same things. You know, mm-hmm. but here he is, supposed to be a good Christian man. And then he goes into, I coach football. So I started talking about being fired from the schools, praying with the kids and this and that. And he said, we always, as a football coach, I always open up the Lord's Prayer. And then we prayed at the end of the game. Always. He said, every game. Always. And he said, JC, he said, don't you think if you could have stuck around them schools, you could have done some good? I said, they handcuffed me like they're handcuffing you. We just went into all this stuff. And when he left, I walked out to his truck, laid hands on him, prayed over him. And one of the questions he asked me was, JC, said, last week in that meeting, you said something about him being dumb dogs that can't bark. Would you really say that to the pastor? And I said, oh, yes. Yes, I would to any of them in this county. Then we went to all the government-run things in the school that are corrupting the kids. I said, wouldn't it be nice if we could run our own schools? Get the government government out of it. By the way, folks, a Supreme Court decision just came down. Most of you, we we really didn't see it. The whole idea of uh, coaches being able to pray uh, with the football teams has opened the schools again to – to religion, an opportunity to be to be able to do that, and we need to begin while while the iron's hot. We need to go uh, begin to push back on some of those things and try to get Bible clubs going and different things like that, and let teachers know that they're that they're able now to stand up and speak the truth. That's what the Supreme folks, the Supreme Court. It took forty years for the Supreme Court to get where they are. Forty years. It'll be forty years before they flip it again. Yeah, Jeff, quick. We talked about that, too. I said, right there is a victory. I said, he won. He's coming back. He's going to be on the 50-yard line. He'll be able to pray, and nobody can say he can't. I said, we got to strike while the iron's hot. That's what I told him. And by, he was encouraged by a lot of things. It was good. So I didn't know where with him. Michelle. Hey, good morning, Coach and team. Um, what Back to something that Paul had said uh, about his sister and the whole gun thing. I did hear something from the Supreme Court. And they struck down some stuff that the EPA was doing. They're saying, we're reeling you guys in. uh, And I think this could spread to the other alphabet letter agencies that are out there. Hopefully, um, tobacco and firearms and and all of them. They have just assumed these. They think they're in charge. They've just assumed the responsibility to make rules, enforce them. And they don't have the power. 
So maybe we'll see some pushback from other areas as well. I'm looking at for the health, <laughs> medicine, education, everything. We need them out. We need these alphabet letter we agencies out. out. We, we need them out. Let me play this real quick. Just kind of to lift your spirits. Go to number six. Number six. My buddy Michael Perutka, who ran for president of the United States back in 1980 on the Constitution Party ticket. Michael's a great guy. Great guy. Not wrong one. Uh, he wrote a song. I'm going to play this so that this jingle will stay in your, in your head for the rest of your life. Courts cannot make law. Michael Perutka wrote this and sings it. Go ahead. There's a battle going on, a war for your soul. It's a devil's deal. It's mind control. They want you to believe that you have no hope. They're counting on the fact that you are a goat. Well, they tell you the rules, tell you what to eat. They know that you won't question. They know that you don't read. We've lived a lie for way too long. It's time to know right from wrong. No matter what they told you all, courts and judges cannot make law. The case law method has a fatal flaw because courts cannot make law. Courts cannot make law. Courts cannot make law. The case law method has a fatal flaw because courts cannot make law. Congress makes the laws and the courts make none. That's in the Constitution. It's in Article 1. Look it up. Read the words. Use your own two eyes. Know it well. Mark the spot. Have it memorized. Tell your children. Tell your mama. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors if you want to be free. You won't learn the truth in government schools. It's up to you to know the rules no matter what they told you all. And judges cannot make law The case law method has a fatal flaw Because courts cannot make law Courts cannot make law Courts cannot make law The case law method has a fatal flaw Because courts cannot make law Oh, Dred Scott was not law You see, they ignored the court then And so should we Slaughterhouse and Mickey Mouse and Roe v. Wade Opinions are not how law is made That's not the way that our founders planned Now wise up and rise up across the land Spread the word so everybody knows This emperor has got no clothes No matter what they told you all Courts and judges cannot make law The case law method has a fatal flaw Because courts cannot make law Courts cannot make law Courts cannot make law The case law method has a fatal flaw Because courts cannot make law Courts cannot make law, right? The, The... Oh, my goodness. We did so brainwashed. God bless you. See you tomorrow. And we're clear.